Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Alliance Defending Freedom, defending the First Amendment rights of free speech and religious liberty. And Wilson Financial Advisors, over 50 years of financial expertise and success, helping you build confidence in your financial future. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on their banners to visit their websites. And now here are your hosts. Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Back with another week of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco. We got Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, John Rush will be back with us next week. Looking forward to having John with us. Uh, we are talking this week about the whole abortion pill issue. And we're waiting, we're broadcasting this on Wednesday morning. So as of right now, the Supreme Court has not handed down its ruling that we're expecting sometime today on what they're going to do regarding the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals and the 5th U.S. Circuit Court kind of quasi-overturning the Texas judge who ruled on the FDA ruling. So let me give you just basically a quick overview of where we stand at this point. Back in 2000, you had the FDA approve this abortion pill, Mifepristone. And then, of course, it's companion pill, the misoprostol, for up to 10 weeks. Now, I want to remind everybody, at 10 weeks, this is not a blob of cells, okay? At 10 weeks, the baby has arms, legs, fingers, toes, fingerprints, eyes, ears, pain sensors, a brain, eyelids. The baby sucks his thumb, squints out, closes, sucks his thumb, squints his eyes to close out light, frowns, swallows, makes facial expressions. This is a baby at 10 weeks. Uh, but this is what's been allowed for the last 23 years. There have been a lot of challenges to this, but every effort to try to undo the FDA, FDA approval of this has been blocked pretty much from Democrats and uh, from just certainly the pro-abortion crowd and such. And Roe v. Wade being the law of the land has made it more difficult to try to overturn. Well, finally, now you have a coalition of medical doctors and organizations. This is Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine that has brought a lawsuit now to finally have this FDA decision overturned, which is a good thing. You have a Trump-appointed judge in Texas who overturned the FDA and basically said, no, you did not do sufficient research and study into this and the potential health problems, especially for minors. And so this was a great day. This was, of course, appealed to the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, which traditionally is more conservative. And the 5th Circuit Court kind of partially reversed the Texas judge and said, well, here's what we'll do. Uh, we will go ahead and allow the FDA approval to take place, but instead of 10 weeks, it's going to be seven weeks, and we're not going to allow some of the expansions of this that the FDA has done, like selling these abortion pills in CVS stores and drug stores and telemedicine and sending them through the mail things along those lines. So the pro-abortion side, they're upset over this. They've appealed this to the U.S. Supreme Court. Sam Alito of the Supreme Court says, okay, temporarily, we're just going to put a hold on everything until the end of the day, Wednesday, when we're going to make some kind of ruling. And we don't even know if they're going to rule on the merits of this or if they're just going to send it back down. That's what we're waiting to find out. So uh, who's fighting on our behalf and on behalf of the unborn here has been Alliance Defending Freedom. You know what a tremendous organization they are. Uh, they are actively fighting this case right now. They're the good guys. They're the ones on our side. 
And joining us right now to give us an update on this is Erica Steinmiller-Perdomo, who is legal counsel for the Center for Life at Alliance Defending Freedom, who joins me now. Counselor, thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much for having us on. Well, thank you. And hey, we appreciate the fight that you guys are doing on behalf of the unborn, on behalf of all of us. So uh, first, let me just ask you, do we know when the Supreme Court is going to hand a ruling down today? Uh, First of all, apparently it's sometime between now and 11.59 p.m. Do you have a best guess? So if the if SCOTUS doesn't rule by 11.59 tonight, then the lower court's ruling will go into effect. All and right. that'll be in effect while the court considers the arguments that both sides have presented uh, in briefing before in the last few days. Okay. So um, what are the options as far as the Supreme Court? Do you think there's any chance they're actually going to rule on the merits of this case? Or is this just going to be a who has standing, who does not, or we're just going to refer it back to the fifth? Or might they actually rule on the merits or is that not realistic? So what the court is considering right now is a stay of the lower court's order. Any court that's looking at this case should agree with the lower court's rulings in this in this case because they're correct on the law and they're correct in recognizing the dangers of chemical abortion drugs to women and girls. Um, and so uh, we're hopeful, again, that, that the Supreme Court would allow the lower court's ruling to go in effect until we can be heard on the merits before the Fifth Circuit. Uh, okay. But it's possible that if the Supreme Court does uh, Uh, in the unlikely event that it does want to consider the merits, we've asked in our brief to the court for it to expand the issues that it's considering. If it decides to look at this case on the merit, we would like the court to um, find that the mailing of chemical abortion drugs directly violates the Comstock Act's prohibition on the mailing of any drugs that cause an abortion. And also to look at that underlying approval and, and rule that pregnancy is not a serious or life-threatening illness and that chemical abortion drugs do not provide any meaningful therapeutic benefit over surgical abortion procedures, which is exactly what the FDA had to find in order to approve these drugs in the first place. Okay, so is there any hope whatsoever that the Supreme Court would completely invalidate the fifth and uphold the Texas judge's ruling, which is stricter and better, or is our best hope that they uphold the fifth U.S. Circuit Court and at least we don't have them sent in the mail, we don't have them in CVS stores, and it's seven weeks instead of 10 weeks? Is that pretty much the best we have to hope for? I think that that is a a great option, and the Fifth Circuit here really took a measured approach um, that you know, paused the mailing of these drugs, restored important protections um, that'll, that will reduce the risk of harm to women and girls from taking these drugs. But ultimately, these drugs are, are dangerous and they, the FDA's actions from the beginning have been unlawful. So ultimately, what we hope is that these drugs are taken off the market. It's possible that the Supreme Court um, will recognize that. And so, you know, what, what they decide to do, um, really, I, I can't speculate about it, but sure. we're hopeful that ultimately these drugs will be taken off the market. Right, ultimately. So, but today, it's probably not realistic 
that they would bypass the fifth and uphold the Texas judge, right? Today, we're pretty much finding out, are they going to issue a stay on the fifth or are they going to uphold the fifth's decision? That's probably what we're waiting for then today. Is that safe to say? It's probably, that's probably correct, but I think anything's possible. And I think looking at this case and the facts of this case and the dangers of these drugs, um, it's it's possible that, um, you know, the court could weigh in on that ultimate uh, Okay. Well, we will see. I mean, you're absolutely right. Ultimately, we would like what the Texas judge ruled, which is that the FDA has no had no business approving this in the first place. And therefore, uh, we, we suddenly have Mifepristone not even FDA approved in this country at all. That would be the ideal. But it yeah. looks like that may be something that has to happen in the future for a possible Supreme Court ruling. So, We'll see what they do with the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court. Of course, in this podcast, we got Roger Marsh of the Bottom Line from California. We got Neil Boron, Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. And I just kind of want to toss it around the table. Roger or Neil, uh, any questions at all that you would like to ask Alliance Defending Freedom on this case? Yeah, I'll just jump in real quick. This is Neil, Eric, and again, thank you for being with us, and thanks for. ADF being a partner with us. We love Alliance Defending Freedom. And apart from you guys, um, we don't have a lot of protection against things like this and the reckless disregard for human life and safety by the federal, uh, by the Food and Drug Administration. But just a quick question. When the Supreme Court looks at something like this, are they really just looking at procedural kind of stuff, legal procedures, or do they actually get involved in looking at the science? Like, do they actually look at what studies have been done about how dangerous this is and, and then help, you know, does that help them determine why uh, they need to rule on this thing, why it's so important to rule? Does science come into play at all? So this case is not a battle of the science, and we're certainly not asking the courts to step into the shoes of the FDA and, and second-guess the science. But what this comes down to is the FDA has been violating federal law that requires it to conduct robust clinical investigations based on the approved market uses of these drugs, with FDA, which the FDA has failed to do since the beginning. Federal law requires the FDA to study the effects of these drugs on minors, which the FDA has failed to do. And so this case is about holding the FDA accountable to its congressional mandate and to um, its role here, which is to ensure drugs are uh, safe for the American people and comply with federal law in the process of approving and regulating these drugs. So that's ultimately the question that's before the court. And um, Mm -hmm. it is so clear that the FDA has been politically motivated in this process of its approval and deregulation of chemical abortion drugs. And so that's what we are asking the courts to um, hold the FDA uh, to its uh, duty of complying with federal law and guaranteeing that drugs are safe. In this case, the FDA um, has zero studies that have evaluated the safety and effectiveness of these drugs based on the wholesale changes it's made uh, in deregulating these drugs. So there are zero studies right now showing that these drugs are safe and effective uh, with all of the um, safeguards that the FDA has removed in the last uh, several years. That's a very good point. Just one other super quick follow-up. I'm sorry, but do do women harmed by, if women have been harmed by this in the past, and as this information comes to light, maybe largely because of the focus on this particular case, uh, is it possible that that opens the door for women suing the FDA? Like that all of a sudden this would become the thing to do? 
Well, the, uh, the doctors in our case are suing on behalf of their patients and they're suing on behalf of women who are harmed by these drugs because okay. they are on the front lines in emergency rooms treating right. women who are coming in suffering complications or incomplete chemical abortions because the failure rate of chemical abortion is much higher than surgical abortions. So women are taking these drugs and ending up in the emergency rooms. The abortionists are wiping their hands clean of having to deal with any of the mess or the fallout. Uh, and so far, FDA has also been trying to wipe its hands clean by not requiring um, reporting of any non-fatal adverse events. So right. it's trying to turn a blind eye to the real uh, complications and issues that are happening and, and, and in a sense trying to shirk its responsibility. Now, that's a great point. And actually, uh, in just a second, Roger, Roger Marsh, I want to give you a chance to uh, chime in here with Erica as well. And as we're talking with Alliance Defending Freedom about this case involving the abortion pill and waiting for the Supreme Court ruling to come down on this Wednesday that we're broadcasting, I do just want to remind everybody, you hear us talking about preborn all the time during this podcast. And if you haven't given to preborn yet, we're asking you to do that right now because no matter what the Supreme Court does, you do realize abortions are still going to be happening in this country. And if a mom is pregnant and she sees an ultrasound image of her baby, you realize she chooses life almost all the time. Almost all the time. By the way, she ends up accepting the Lord most of the time too. Well, who do you think is showing these ultrasound images to these moms across the country? Preborn is doing this. They partner with pro-life centers all across America and they're showing these ultrasound images, but it takes money to do that. And that's why we ask all of you listening to us right now, will you give money to pay for these ultrasound images? Here's what it boils down to. $28 is the average cost to save one baby's life, to stop one abortion, $28. So we're asking you to take $28 times whatever number God places on your heart. How many babies would you like to save the lives of? Have that as a legacy for your family or your business. Is it five babies, 10 babies, 100 babies, whatever that number is, $28 times whatever the number is. And here's how you give. Go right now to crawfordmediagroup.net that's crawfordmediagroup.net. Click on the preborn tab and you can give right there. Everything you give goes to fund ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. And if you want to give over the phone, you can call right now, 833-850-BABY. They answer the phones 24-7. So call now, 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. We appreciate you folks doing that. As we kind of wind down our time with Erica Steinmiller Perdomo, who is with Alliance Defending Freedom, of course, they are the ones fighting in the courts right now to uh, over this abortion bill battle and we're or abortion pill battle and we're waiting to find out what the Supreme Court is going to hand down today are they going to uphold the 5th US Circuit Court of Appeals restrictions on the FDA and how loose they've been with this uh, Roger Marsh of the bottom line from the People's Republic of California Roger maybe some of your thoughts on this and anything you wanted to ask Erica well, Erica, I was wondering, and first of all, thank you for doing the work that you guys have been doing with Alliance Defending Freedom on this case, because I know this isn't just an overnight situation. It's been building for well over two decades. And there was a period where Alliance Defending Freedom actually filed a petition, you know, saying, hey, we, we've got to stop this, well, we call it chemical, the, the, the left calls it, quote unquote, medical abortion. And then there was about a 14-year period of silence before anything really started to happen. 
And we had a pro-life president in the White House for eight years and didn't get anything done with it. And then we had a pro-abortion president for eight years, and he really turned up the screws in his final days. Help us understand the timeline, if you will, and why today's ruling is so really important based on the fact that it's taken you all and us of the pro-life community such a long time to get here. Yeah, so after the 2000 approval, just two years after that approval, our clients, um, the app log, uh, they filed a citizen petition challenging the FDA's approval as unlawful. The FDA sat on that petition for over 14 years. During that time, the Medical Association tried to um, remind the FDA and, and request that it rule on its citizen petition because the FDA has this process in place where you must file a citizen petition with the agency itself and the agency has to make a decision on that petition before you can take them to court and this was just a complete case of lawlessness the fda failed to comply with its own rules that requires them to um, make decisions on these petitions within 180 days and the lower court um, found that the fda procrastinated and waited for over 14 years to rule on that initial petition. And when it did so, it made a wholesale change to the regulations around chemical abortion drugs in 2016. So it denied our petition, our client's petition in 2016, and on the same day made a wholesale change, uh, rolling back essential safeguards and completely shifting the goalposts. Our clients, again, filed a citizen petition challenging that deregulation as unlawful and the FDA violated its own rules again, what way beyond the 180 days and um, waited over two years to rule on that petition. So that's why we're in court now, because with these most recent changes that the FDA is making these drugs available, mail order abortions for women to go home and have an abortion alone without any medical supervision. Uh, it's really just shocking what they're what they're doing here with this and how that's harming America's right. women and girls. So it's just time to take, hold them accountable. And, well, and, and now that they've ruled on those petitions, we can take them to court. Well, you know, Erica, not to mention the fact the sex trade and slave trade industry and such that exists out there, you could have pimps, you could have sex trade traffickers that are can now get these abortions and force them on these girls. Uh, you have girls that can get this done without their parents' knowledge or consent. I mean, to be able to do stuff like this through the mail is disgusting, not to mention the fact have them in drugstores, CVS stores. So now moms and children and everybody else who goes to CVS to get some Skittles and a gallon of milk, now suddenly they're going into the largest abortion main, uh, producer in the country because unless I'm missing something, my calculator tells me this would make CVS and Walgreens the number one abortion provider in this country, more so than Planned Parenthood. If you look at the actual numbers of the amount of mifepristone and misoprostol they'd be distributing. Yeah, that, that could very well be the case. And you're exactly right about the increased risk of human trafficking and perpetuated abuse right. against women because of the ease of uh, you know, never having to see a doctor in person, logging onto a computer, saying, estimating, you know, oh, maybe I'm seven weeks pregnant, maybe I'm 10 weeks pregnant. The, the, uh, those uh, estimates are not always accurate. And so it's leading women even to get access to these drugs later than the FDA has approved their use. And those uh, those chemical abortions are even more harmful to women. Um, but again, it's it's women should not, they're suffering the consequences right now of FDA's unlawful action and they deserve better. 
No, that they do. I'll tell you what, we are so appreciative of what you folks are doing at ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom, of course, and Erica Steinmiller-Perdomo. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us on the podcast today. We really appreciate your expertise and your efforts. Yeah, thank you all so much. I appreciate hey, it. You bet. Thanks, thank you. Take Thanks, ca- take care now. Uh, Neil, I'll tell you what, they, they <laughs> really are a champion for us, aren't they? Absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable what they're doing. And, you know, you heard Erica say this. The only way that the FDA could have approved those pills in the first place was to characterize pregnancy as an illness and then mm. argue that deadly drugs provide some kind of meaningful therapeutic right. benefit. For who? The mom? For the baby? Anyway, you know, the FDA needed to completely ignore science on this uh, because they never studied the safety of the actual drug regimen. They, they completely ignored the impacts that this drug, this hormone-blocking chemical code hanger, as some people call it, would have on, on the developing bodies of teenage girls. They didn't do that work. And they turned a blind eye to mountains of evidence that chemical abortions are more dangerous and actually cause four to five times more complications than surgical abortions. You got women uh, bleeding out in some cases, severe bleeding, deadly infection, sometimes then being unable to have uh, babies in the future because of the harm that they've suffered. And the FDA completely ignored all that to ramrod these drugs past um, existing protocols and right into the hands of unsuspecting women. Now this stuff is being made available uh, through the mail. And how dangerous is that? And, And in almost every case, without a doctor's supervision. So no wonder that there are more emergencies. Well, we're not talking about philosophies here. This is about women and babies and saving women and babies' lives. The FDA's actions were illegal, and we pray that the Supreme Court would come to realize that. But listen, Alliance Defending Freedom is working on behalf of pro-life Americans and people just like us to make sure that the FDA doesn't get away with it. They're representing hundreds of medical doctors, pro-life organizations, people who believe what we believe to say enough is enough. And here's why we need you to support Alliance Defending Freedom. I mean, you just heard from Erica what a powerful uh, you know, conversation that was, talking about what they're doing on behalf of women and babies. But a gift of $50, $100, 1000 or more is going to literally save women and babies' lives. Uh, we want to help support them so they can continue defending and protecting people from this kind of immoral and illegal activity on the part of uh, the FDA's overreach. It's got to stop. And Alliance Defending Freedom needs our support. So go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net literally right now and give if you can. There's a banner for Alliance Defending Freedom right there. Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and support our partners. Wow, what a great job they're doing. And uh, Roger, we wouldn't be able to talk about any of this kind of stuff if it wasn't for the support of our advertising partners. Yeah, Dennis Wilson, I'll tell you what, you know, when you look at what's happening in the abortion industry and how much money the abortion industry gets from the federal government, guess where that money comes from? It comes from your taxes, it comes from my taxes, and you know that as we're $31 trillion in debt overall, taxes are going to go up. As Christians, we need to be good stewards of the money to which God has entrusted us. And that's why Dennis Wilson's a partner with us here at National Crawford Roundtable. And that's why I highly recommend you go to crawfordmediagroup.net and hit the Wilson Financial Advisor banner. Because as you're planning for retirement or if you're in retirement right now, you're doing everything you can to make sure that you manage your money properly or a good steward with it. And that means paying as little taxes as possible. I mean, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. But as you see what the government's doing right now, watch out for tax increases on investments that you might have. You want to make sure that you can invest in things that are 
as tax-free, if, or if not completely tax-free, as possible. And Dennis can give you the tools that you need to make those good to doership investments. So it's 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or go to crawfordmediagroup.net. There's a banner for Wilson Financial, right next to the banner for Preborn, right next to the banner for Alliance Defending Freedom. But they are partnering with us to help make it possible for you as a, a citizen to take action. And Bob, I know that this whole... Uh, conversation this past half hour uh, with our, our legal a- experts from Alliance Defending Freedom uh, really kind of underscores why we do NCR every week. I mean, the, the so bringing these yeah. issues to light that they're <laughs> totally. that you're not seeing in the mainstream media. You're not hearing about it there. And, and right. so not to toot our own horn, but I mean, for crying out loud, if we don't talk about it, who is? Well, you know, I, I was thinking about as we were talking about this mifepristone and the misoprostol, the mifepristone, it affects the lining, the, the uteral lining, okay, so that the baby is now not able to get nourished. And then the misoprostol basically forces, uh, creates the cramping and forces delivery of the baby. And what I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, I want you to stop and think about this a second, guys. Uh, at 10 weeks, remember, at 10 weeks, this is not a blob of tissue. This baby has arms, legs, fingers, toes, fingerprints, eyes, ears, pain sensors, eyelids. The baby sucks his thumb, squints to close out light, frowns, swallows, makes facial expressions. And, and I'm imagining some 16, 17, 18-year-old girl, not to mention maybe somebody in their 20s also, taking this, being fed the lie from Planned Parenthood. Oh, it's just tissue. It's just a clump of cells, whatever. And then she delivers his baby in the toilet. She looks in the toilet and she sees her baby, maybe with his eyes open, and that baby sucking his thumb and now dead and realizes, you have to be kidding me. This was a child. Planned Parenthood lied to me. But not. she's now got to deal with the emotional damage and baggage and the guilt and everything else for the rest of her life over something like this. Not to mention the fact, I want to remind folks, you know, there have been two dozen two dozen documented deaths from this mifepristone abortion pill. Okay, two dozen. And that doesn't even count the ones that weren't categorized as abortion deaths. These are the ones that were actually categorized for that. So this is way more dangerous. I remember a while back, they took Tylenol off the shelves because you had a handful of people that died from them. Look how many women are dying from this and it's still allowed to be on the shelves yeah. and they'll send through the mail. This is So here's what we're going to do. We're coming up on the half and... Uh, Neil and Roger, you and me, we're going to dive into this whole thing in the second half of this as well. And we invite you folks to join us for the second half. By the way, at the very end of the podcast, we're going to uh, ha- we're going to talk a little bit about the passing of Charles Stanley, just an iconic uh, Christian leader and figure who's gone home to be with the Lord at age ninety. We'll talk about Doctor Stanley at the end of the podcast. But the second half of this, you can listen to it on your regular radio station. If you do, your radio station might play the second half at a different time. So if they do, you may have to go to the website of your local radio station, go to the program guide, see where they play the second half. Or you can just listen to the second half online at crawfordmediagroup.net or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you listen. If you want to watch video of us doing the podcast, you can watch that at myhopenow.com. And the second half of the abortion pill discussion Coming up next here on the National Crawford Roundtable. And I just want to remind everybody as well, when you listen to the second half, don't forget, give to Preborn. You can go to crawfordmediagroup.net, click on the Preborn tab, 
Give right there. It's $28 to save one baby's life. Take $28 times whatever number God lays on your heart. And you can give right there. And everything you give goes to fund ultrasounds. Remember, the $28 pays for the ultrasound images. And that's what makes these moms choose life instead of choosing Planned Parenthood and death. So CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Preborn tab. We appreciate you folks doing that and giving a Preborn right now. The second half coming up next. This has been a Crawford Media Group production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Neil Boron. Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. Roger Marsh of the bottom line from the People's Republic of California. Myself, Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. John, John Prodigal Rush will be back with us, welcomed with open arms next week. Right now, we're talking this week about the abortion pill and the battle that's been happening in the courts. We're waiting. We're broadcasting this on Wednesday. Well, Wednesday is the day we're waiting for the Supreme Court to hand down its ruling. What are they going to do about the abortion pill? Are they going to allow the restrictions on the abortion pill that were placed by the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court? Are they going to overturn the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court? and let things go back to the way that they were with Biden expanding the abortion pill everywhere, including drugstores and sent by mail and telemedicine and everything else. Uh, but Neil, I want to get your take on what I was saying at the bottom of the last half, because I'm thinking about the emotional and psychological and spiritual impact on, think about the millions and millions of women, young women, and yes, even teenage and minor girls that were sold this lie that, hey, this is easy. It's it's just a medical abortion. It's so quick. It's so easy. You'll pass this, you'll pass this tissue. And then what happens? Well, uh, you find out, you look in the toilet that, hey, this is a real human being. After all, I can see my baby sucking his thumb. And I know Neil's uh, reconnecting with a technical issue. I think we've got it taken care of now. Yeah, I'm back. Neil, just some of your thoughts on what I was saying before about these these women, these young girls in some cases, that look in the toilet, they see a picture of their baby sucking his thumb dead. They realize they were lied to by Planned Parenthood, but now... The damage is done. They got to live with this the rest of their lives. It's incredibly complicated and horrific if you stop and think about it. Number one, you could experience that kind of trauma. A young girl could be exposed to that kind of thing. You know, we've got first responders who show up at accident scenes uh, who have to deal with PTSD and have to get counseling because of the things they've seen. Imagine exposing a teenage girl to that. And uh, right. and then on top of it, you've got doctors now saying, "Hey, if you if you outlaw mifepristone, we'll just give the second pill, which basically means that you're going to be your body's going to be expelling live fetuses, live human beings." Um, so uh, whether the baby dies in that process remains to be seen. But like we're we're going to have our way. We want to get this thing done. And if you stop and think about it, it's absolutely horrific that the American people would ever embrace such a thing. I think as the word gets out, it's going to be an awful lot of alarm uh, on the part of the American people and say, wait a minute, what have we been doing? How in the world was this even possible? And I, I pray and I hope that this particular case, you know, uh, brings attention, the needed attention to this whole situation, because it's got to stop. This was illegal in the first place. And, you know, the, the, the only way this thing ever got approved in the first place was that the FDA completely ignored its own legal obligation to protect the health and safety and the welfare of girls and women. They didn't study the safety of, um, you know, these harmful drugs under the labeled conditions of use. They, they apparently could care less about the long-term impacts of hormone blockers on developing bodies and, and, and on, you know, the lives of these teenage girls. 
So we're talking about like total disregard for the mountain of scientific evidence that chemical abortion drugs cause more complications than surgical abortions. So it's why they're called the chemical coat hanger drugs. It's it's shocking. It Talk about following the science. Is anybody following any science here? Anyway, they systematically eliminate all the traditional safeguards for pregnant girls and women. And, and you know what? That's criminal. Uh, thank God for Erica and our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom. They're working with pro-life right. doctors and nurses and pro-life organizations across the U.S., to expose this thing, to expose the FDA for disregarding safety in order to get unsafe abortion drugs into the hands of young women who have no idea that their lives are at risk. So, But here's some comforting news. The Alliance Defending Freedom wins almost 80% of their cases, even at the U.S. Supreme Court level. And let's pray that their work on this case gives... Uh, gives you know women uh, their sanity and their lives back their safety back right now literally we need 40 people to donate fifty dollars or if you can a hundred dollars or more to help save the lives of women and babies save human lives defend freedom fifty dollars makes a huge impact and 100 makes even more and we can we are making a difference so just click the alliance defending freedom banner at crawfordmediagroup.net and donate like right now, like do it right now. Again, mm. you'll find the Alliance Defending Freedom banner at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Yeah, so true. And and actually, Roger, it is important that people support ADF, not just for the great work that they're doing, but for the fact that they support this podcast. They sponsor this podcast. We appreciate Preborn doing this. We appreciate Alliance Defending Freedom. Hey, look, we appreciate Dennis Wilson and Wilson Financial because it, uh, they, they could spend... They could spend their advertising dollars anywhere. They choose to spend it here to promote programming like this. And I think we yeah. should honor that and respect that. Absolutely. And please know that Dennis Wilson is a preborn supporter. I mean, when preborn, yeah. you know, kind of first came into the National Crawford Roundtable world, Dennis and many of his clients actually rallied together and were able to raise enough support to buy basically two entire ultrasound machines. So, I mean, this is something that it's a hard issue for him. He loves Christian radio. He loves Christian broadcasting. He's a supporter. You know, he's grieving the death of Charles Danley right along with all the rest of us because that was one of his favorite programs to listen to on our flagship affiliate for the bottom line, KBRT. But, you know, one of the things that I love about Dennis is talk about putting your money where your mouth is. I mean, this is a guy who was working for a, a couple of different uh, research companies when he was very young. And a co-worker of his died without life insurance, and he started looking into life insurance, saying, how, how is it that people would not have this? And he wound up getting a certified license, underwriting uh, certification, and moved into insurance and then moved into investments because it's about stewardship. It's about making sure that you have enough of the resources that God's entrusted to you, that you're paying your fair share in taxes. But if you can avoid taxes, by all means, do so. But this is stewardship. I mean, now you can see this is actual warfare that we're engaged in here, good versus evil. And how do we as Christians continue to mobilize? Uh, well, you're completely under the bondage of you know the debt and the government and high taxes, or you're making solid investments that are paying you a fair and ethical and legal return, but give you more opportunity to support other organizations like Alliance Defending Freedom and Preborn. And that's why Wilson Financial Advisors is now part of our National Crawford Roundtable podcast team. 800-696-9970. You can contact Dennis from anywhere in the United States. He'll be able to help you out um, or just click on the banner uh, for Wilson Financial Advisors at CrawfordMediaGroup.net because, you know, guys, as we have been, been talking about this whole case that ADF has, uh, you know, been uh, 
taking has taken up and has been fighting for the past 23 years i mean to get to the point where we are I, the, the biggest revelation of this whole case for me i don't know how this was for you guys but for me to find out that the fda just kind of casually uh randomly nonchalantly pay no attention to the man behind the curtainly um categorized pregnancy as an illness that's right, right. i mean yeah. are you kidding me does that mean all three of us are diseased Apparently. I mean, what, what is that? I mean, obviously, we know the, the sinful part, but pregnancy is an illness and the, and and the general public, half of the American population is apparently OK with this. I mean, we just went along with it for the last 23 years. Yeah, I mean, think follow about the it. science, guys. Follow yep. the science. Science says that we are all illnesses. Yeah. So, I, by the way, anybody who tells me that a man can get pregnant is not somebody I'm going to trust with science. Amen. And this is what they're this is what they're telling us. No, you're you're absolutely right. But you know, uh, you know, Roger, I want yeah, go ahead, Neil. Just real quick, I just also wanted to throw in that a lot of these girls aren't even pregnant, or if they're pregnant, it's an mm. ectopic pregnancy. Now, Eric right. mentioned that we've talked about it, but imagine that this young girl either sees her baby in the toilet or takes this thinking she's pregnant. I mean, some of these girls are encouraged to get these drugs in case you get pregnant. In fact, states like New York and California are stockpiling these drugs so that women from other states where it's illegal can come to get these drugs, but some of them aren't even pregnant. So they live the rest of their life with shame and guilt or expose themselves to the medical complications that could land them in the hospital when they were never pregnant in the first place. And they're place sterilized sometimes. Sometimes sterilized. they can't ever have kids. Right. Because, because, they, because they didn't do this in conjunction with a doctor they didn't know for sure mm -hmm. if they were pregnant it, it's just horrific it's macabre right oh by the way you also put uh women in danger because you mentioned the ectopic pregnancy you have cases where a woman has an ectopic pregnancy this is a medical emergency she's got to get to the doctor and get that ectopic pregnancy removed or else her uh fallopian tubes rupture but she thinks she's pregnant since she doesn't have to see a doctor. She gets it in the mail. She takes it. She thinks everything's fine. She don't know why. So, boy, the bleeding and the cramping and the pain just seems worse and worse. She dies from the ectopic pregnancy because she thought that this was a just regular, normal pregnancy. And so what happens is she dies. And by the way, that's not listed as an abortion pill death. That's listed as an ectopic pregnancy death. And so, therefore, those are the numbers that we How don't convenient. see as part of the stats. So, I mean, another statistic that we don't talk about enough since we ta are talking about ectopic pregnancies is why do women have ectopic pregnancies in the first place? If you've had at least one abortion, your risk or your chance of having an mm -hmm. ectopic pregnancy goes up dramatically. And that's another part of the statistics that the abortion industry doesn't want you to hear. They want you to think that that 17-year-old receptionist, you know, at the abortion clinic, if you have any questions, just call her and she'll be happy to walk you through it because this really isn't that big of a deal. And yet we call this a quote unquote medical abortion. I mean, right. Pick one. I mean, there's the, the inconsistencies of these arguments are just they're fairly easy to knock down. But it's it's kind of like when Josh Hawley was talking with that uh, uh, with that uh, professor, I think, at Hastings College about, uh, you know, can men get pregnant? And she immediately started to train, shift the conversation into, well, you're transphobic. This is the kind of transphobia that leads <laughs> one in five transgender people to attempt suicide. He said, no, I asked you if men can get pregnant. And she said, well, that's a transphobic statement. And she immediately moved because she knew she had no argument for the fact that a man cannot give birth. Can I right. get pregnant? Can't experience any of that. Cannot breastfeed. There's no way a man could do that. And yet, well, what about these trans women? Well, trans women are men. 
Okay, so that's that basically where, but no one wants to say it on the left. I mean, so I guess it's up to us. I know. Bag, I'm confused. I'm confused. And, and all of this under the guise of women's health care, right? This is oh, about I know. Them. Right. I know. Right. And these, mm. but I say we start calling these people, you know, infantophobes. I mean, if you think about it, it's following about the same level of science. <laughs> exactly. But actually, and I am kind of curious, though, Roger, what do you. What do you think about, and Neil, what do you guys think about what I was saying to Erica before regarding CVS and Walgreens basically becoming the new Planned Parenthoods? Because if you do the math, there's about 600 Planned Parenthood clinics in this country. All right, there's about three to 400,000 abortions per year that they are personally responsible for, but more than half of those are these chemical abortions, these abortion pill kind of abortions. Well, now if you've got the convenience of being able to get these at CVS or Walgreens or whatever, uh, now suddenly you take your kids, your grandkids, a family, you go to Walgreens, you pick up some Skittles, maybe some some candy, you pick up a few things, some diapers for the baby. And now while families are shopping in these stores, you've got more abortions being dispensed there than you do in Planned Parenthoods across the clinic. It's like you can't even go to your corner drugstore now because it now officially becomes an abortion mill. To me, I, I don't think I could look at the corner drugstore the same way as I did before when I think that I'm going in there and they're dispensing abortions more than they are anything else. Well, yeah, there are, go, go ahead, go ahead Neil. Well, I was going to say there are 9,700 CVS pharmacies nationwide. There are 8,700 Walgreens. And mm. when the California ruling came down, uh, Wal- about 600 Walgreens in uh, California that handle 10% of all the prescription drug uh, transactions in the state. So the idea that uh, they were taking a swing at them and saying, well, you won't be able to do anything if you won't do our abortion thing. You know, Walgreens position, I think, was, hey, we're just trying to follow the law. And there are certain states where it's illegal, so we're obviously not going to break the law. But they had no trouble, you know, taking some of that action. But you're right. I mean, you guys, well, you probably hasn't been to your states, but uh, Gavin, I'm not running for president in 2024. Newsom (laughs) has been spending an awful lot of time campaigning for president in 2024 in Florida and Tennessee and Texas on this very issue. It it was very popular in California. They, the Democrats are doubling down on this, guys. Yeah. That's something we're going to have to watch if, for in the next year. If this months. stuff has been literally like over the counter, so easy to access, or, you know, there's even now there's overseas uh, providers. There's people in shady places all over the world sending drugs through the mail to women who live in states where uh, they can't go into CVS and get this stuff. So uh, who knows what those drugs actually look like. But, you know, uh, by the way, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And how true is that? Like, uh, And I also wonder, ultimately, what the actual numbers for abortion are, because I'm not sure we're actually hearing the true numbers. Uh, You know, a surgical abortion is a little more dramatic. There's more documentation involved. When, When a woman's popping these drugs at home and not telling anybody about it, not talking to her yeah. doctor about it. There's no record. So right. who knows? No, that's a, that's a very good point. That is a very good point. Oh, uh, and one last thing I've, yeah. I've been told, I've been told by post-abortive women and nurses who work in pro-life pregnancy centers that some women have been told by Planned Parenthood, Hey, look, if you have any complications, 
if you start bleeding, if you're in severe pain, go to the emergency room and tell them you're having a miscarriage. Right. But, exactly. but whatever you do, don't tell them you took this. So drug. how many, that, that's what, it's the manipulation of the data. And I know people say, right. oh, but would the CDC and the NIH, and would they really manipulate data? We watched them do it for three years with COVID, manipulating COVID deaths and hospitalizations, 100%. inflating them. So you don't think they're going to deflate them in another area when it serves their best interest? So, uh, no, you're absolutely right. And, and as we talk about abortion, folks, just remember, right, there's something you can do about this. If you're listening to us right now, you can actually be responsible for saving babies' lives, for stopping abortions. And you don't, you don't have to go down to a clinic. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is be willing to part with some of your money. Remember, it takes $28 to save one baby's life. That's what preborn does. What's that $28 for? It pays for ultrasounds. Ultrasound images of unborn babies make those moms choose life almost all the time. And by the way, they end up accepting the Lord most of the time too. We want the mom to let her baby live instead of going across the street to Planned Parenthood. But it does take money, like I say, $28. So we're asking everybody listening right now, would you pray about this? Would you consider giving $28 times whatever number God lays on your heart? Maybe it's five babies' lives you want to save. Maybe it's 10 babies. That'd be $280. Maybe it's 100 babies. It'd be $2,800. Maybe you can buy an ultrasound machine for $15,000. Your legacy will be saving thousands of babies' lives. We don't know what you can afford, but we are asking everybody to get involved in somehow, some way. Let's all have some skin in the game. So here's how you give. Just go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn tab. Remember, preborn partners with pro-life centers all across the country. They've been doing this for a long time. They're the ones that show ultrasound images of these babies. So CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on preborn. You can give right there. Every dime you give goes to fund ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. And if you want to give over the phone, they answer the phones 24-7. So you can call right now, 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-BABY. Call in the middle of the night, anytime, 24-7. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call and give what you can, $28 times whatever number God lays on your heart, okay? And that your legacy will be, that's how many abortions you and your family stopped. That's how many babies' lives you saved. We appreciate you folks doing that. Well, as we kind of wind down this National Crawford Roundtable and we wait for the Supreme Court decision to come down, uh, it's also a a sad week, kind of a, a bittersweet week, because Dr. Charles Stanley went home to be with the Lord uh, Tuesday morning. He died peacefully at his home. He was 90 years old. And so you think about Dr. Stanley. Here he is right now in the presence of the Lord. He's seeing the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. And I, I just... You know, guys, I think about Charles Stanley and what an iconic name and the the ministry that he has done, his In Touch Ministries, of course, a broadcaster, author, pastor, certainly of First Baptist Church in Atlanta, the iconic church. But think about Charles Stanley's legacy here. Uh, his sermons, podcast, devotionals, they've been seen or heard in more than 115 million homes every week in more than 126 countries around the world. Uh, as a matter of fact, Dr. Stanley, as of last week, was heard in every nation on planet Earth via radio, shortwave, or television broadcasts. His In Touch TV program, 
204 TV stations, seven satellite networks, in-touch radio on 458 stations around the country, of course, inducted in the National Religious Broadcasters Hall of Fame, author of so many New York Times bestselling books. And when he founded uh, In-Touch Ministries in 1977, he said the purpose of it was, quote, to get the truth of the gospel to as many people as possible, end quote. Guys, it looks to me like that's his legacy. That's exactly what he did. Yeah. Amen to that. I appreciate the legacy of Charles Stanley, you know, uh, obey God and let him take care of the consequences. I mean, it's really very simple. And uh, the, seeing the social media outpouring of support for him, uh, you know, and the fact that he was so generous with his time, that he weathered personal storms and estrangements and, you know, divisions in his own family and did mm-hmm. so graciously and, uh, and and publicly. I mean, there wasn't anything swept under the rug. I think people admired the integrity that Charles Stanley presented the gospel with. And I know I'm certainly going to miss him, but thanks the Lord for the recorded ministries that we have as I'm sure in touch will go on for quite some time. Well, God, God's a perfect God who works through imperfect flawed people. And we all are. And my goodness, Neil, how God used Charles Stanley as an instrument. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm grateful for a number of things. I mean, um, 115 million people, uh, across the globe were impacted. Did you say on a daily basis? Weekly. Week, weekly, weekly basis. I mean, weekly. that's an astounding number if you think about it, but I'm just grateful that I could turn my radio on in the morning on the way to work and listen to him uh, explain God's word. And that's one of the things, you know, there are people who are more exegetical in their style of preaching. They just break a verse down and crack it open word by word and the whole thing. And he did a little bit of that, but he was, he seemed to me to be more practical in his teaching. Like he would take the truth of God's word, lay it out, Talk about some of the depths of it, but then also explain it in real life terms, in layman's terms. And and as Roger mentioned, you know, he was not perfect. He endured separation and later a divorce. Um, but but isn't isn't that why we need the gospel? Because right. we're imperfect people and we're broken people. And I think you know, I always felt like I was listening to a grandpa speak when when he was talking. I. I had one opportunity to interview him. It was pretty powerful. I just I felt like I was talking to, you know, uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon. <laughs> I mean, he was this <laughs> iconic pastor of this massive church and a tremendous legacy that he leaves behind. But I'm just very grateful uh, for his faithfulness and his integrity over the years. We need more people like Charles Stanley to come yeah. up through the ranks and that God will continue to use to proclaim the gospel. You know, I went through the same thing. I've actually interviewed him a few times over the years, but I remember the first time I had him on just thinking to myself, Wow, this is Charles Stanley. <laughs> you know, I, I know. mean, what, what what an impact though that he yeah. has had. And but to, to the point you were making, Neil, and it's such an important point. And Roger, back to you. God does work through broken, messed up, flawed people. Okay, He doesn't use perfect people. God uses imperfect people. We're all imperfect in, in so many ways, and that way God gets the glory. And I think Charles Stanley, above everyone, would say, you know, something. I don't want it to be about me. Uh, because this is not about me and my accomplishments. This is all to the glory of God. How can we be used for his purposes? And that that's what we all want, to, to, to someday hear what Charles Stanley's hearing right now. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Indeed. Here's a guy who served as his pastor for, uh, as a pastor at First Baptist Atlanta for 49 years, and you didn't see First Baptist being Oh, that's the place that has the really cool sanctuary. That's the place that has the really hot youth group. That's the place that's got the young, hip pastor. It's the Crystal Charles Cathedral. Stanley. Exactly. <laughs> right. I will, trust me. I mean, working I in the in the shadow of that. And and by the way, First Baptist Atlanta is still there, but the Crystal Cathedral is no more. So I right. mean, just 
compared yeah, and to talk about staying the course. He accepted Christ at 12 and began pursuing ministry as a career. Uh, you know, whether he saw it as a full-time vocation down the road, I don't know. But he began ministering the gospel at the age of 16, died at 90. That's 74 years of faithful ministry. Does anybody mm-hmm. do 74 years all in a row on anything? And that's incredible. Well, I can't... How about a tip of the cap to his mom, too? Remember, I mean, this is a guy yeah. whose dad died when he was nine months old. Amen. And, uh, you know, talk about the power of a praying mom and an example of a Christian community coming around this guy, especially as he was coming up through the ranks. I think he did. He, it's ironic that here we are calling him a, a father figure and a grandfather figure in the body of Christ when his own dad was taken That's from right. him at such a young age. But uh, again, God works God works all things together for good for those who love him. And if you stay the course and remain faithful to your calling, Charles Stanley's mm-hmm. a great example of figuring out what your role is, getting in your lane and running your race, and he ran it so, so well. That's yeah, right. Kudos to Mrs. Stanley. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and by the way, uh, he also is survived by two children, his daughter Becky, his son Andy, who's the founder and senior pastor of his own church, North Point Ministries. But Andy called his dad, Charles Stanley, called him a role model for pastors. He said, quote, not just how to preach, or how to build a church, but how to get a finish line, get to the finish line with integrity and to be able to look back and to be proud of everything that came before. And unfortunately, that's increasingly rare. And it is. And, and Neil, to your point, that was 74 years in mm-hmm. ministry, yep. just to, serving the Lord his entire life. And you just, you can't help but wonder what, what kind of, how many seeds were planted over oh the goodness. decades my goodness. And then those seeds took root. And then right. of, of the other people then that grew in the Lord because of that, then and they're planting seeds. And so how many of those seeds took root? And so it's just, uh, no, it really is an incredible legacy. And he also served two terms as president of the Southern Baptist Convention, too. Yeah, and survived it, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> Somehow, some way. Um, yeah. um, you know, but again, let me just say, like, um, the bottom yeah. line is that he he influenced individual lives. Yeah, there was huge numbers, and, and our eyes kind of glaze over when we hear that. But a lot of people came to faith in Christ. Many dedicated right. their lives to Christian ministry. And he'll never know the true influence um, until every every final story has been told. I mean, there are people who are new believers today because of his more recent ministry, and they're going to lead tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands to the Lord down the road, we pray, right. and who knows where it's all going, but praise God for Dr. Charles Stanley. And I just appreciate the fact that he, he presented himself with a manner of humility. He wasn't a, a pretentious kind of, hey, look at me and uh, and all the lights and how many lights can shine on me. And what He wasn't that that kind of man in the way that he presented himself. And, and I think there's a lot that we can all learn from that. So uh, we would encourage everybody, be praying for the Stanley family, of course, where uh, certainly they have lost the patriarch of their family. But this is certainly heaven's gain as well. He's in the presence of the Lord and we can rejoice in that. We always appreciate you folks listening to this podcast. We appreciate you supporting our advertising partners, the sponsors of this podcast, all right? Dennis Wilson Financial and Alliance Defending Freedom and of course Preborn as well. We talked a lot about abortion today and if you haven't given to Preborn yet, please do it now. You can go to crawfordmediagroup.net. That's crawfordmediagroup.net click on the preborn tab and you can give right there. Remember, preborn shows ultrasound images of unborn babies to expectant moms all across the country. They've been doing this for a long time, but it takes money to show these images. That's what the $28 is for. So, $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion. 
to save one baby's life. So will you come up with a number in your head? Pray about this. Whatever number God lays on your heart, $28 times whatever number that is. Is it one? Is it 10? Is it 100? Is it 1,000? I don't know what you can afford, but that'll be the legacy for you and your family of stopping that many abortions and saving that many lives. $28 times whatever that number is. Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn, give right now. And if you want to give over the phone, they answer the phones 24-7. You can call right now, 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call, okay? 833-850-BABY. You can listen to past episodes of the National Crawford Roundtable at CrawfordMediaGroup.net or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We welcome your five-star reviews. We thank you for those. You can also watch video of our podcast at MyHopeNow.com. We look forward to having John Rush of Rush to Reason back with us next week, The Prodigal. In the meantime, Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line from the People's Republic of California, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. Myself, Bob Duco, The Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Guys, always great catching up with you. Thanks a lot. Looking forward to next week. Likewise. You too, Bob. Thanks, Have a great Bob, week. Take care. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of today's culture through a biblical lens brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. And by Alliance Defending Freedom, defending the First Amendment rights of free speech and religious liberty. Your generous financial support makes it possible for Alliance Defending Freedom to defend religious liberty, the sanctity of human life, freedom of speech, and marriage and family in America and around the world. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the ADF logo to give your financial support. And Wilson Financial Advisors, over 50 years of financial expertise and success, helping you build confidence in your financial future. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Wilson Financial Services logo to learn more. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app and look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.